0: Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Today, I want to talk to you about how to eliminate scorekeeping and resentment from your marriage. I know that so many people, especially when there's been a a, a sense of pain and betrayal and hurt and broken trust due to pornography addiction, due to sexual acting out, there's a lot of unresolved issues that so many people just carry around for such a long time. And I think these issues, it's very easy for them to surface in resentment and scorekeeping and, you know, playing the victim and all these things. So I want to share with you a couple of ways that you can start to consider how to work with this in a way that you can actually find results. Now, the reason why I thought about this podcast, I was. I'm in different uh, Facebook groups and sometimes I just share like different ideas and tips or strategies or tools or resources. And, uh, in one of this Facebook, one of these Facebook groups in particular, there's a group of women who were talking and she posted this question about how her and her husband, it's been about three and a half years since they have, you know, since the discovery came out that he'd been struggling with pornography. And she said in the post that he's been doing great work individually and he's been doing awesome, he's been following through on what he said he's gonna do. But she said that where things break down between them is that when sometimes she asks him to do something or not do something, he has this really, really negative reaction. And so in this particular post, she said something about how you know she asked her husband not to wear a certain type of aftershave because it messed with her throat, I don't know, like there's some allergy or something going on where it made it harder for her to breathe. And so in the post, she said that her husband would like get so upset and respond with You're why are you trying to control me? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why are you always controlling me? And then she's just kind of frozen and like, well, what do I even do? Like every, time I bring something up, he just responds with these, this list of grievances and he brings up the past and he nitpicks and does all this stuff. And we just can't get past this. And there are some people on there who are like, well, you know, maybe this is a reflection of his, of his recovery work. And she's like, no, that's not what it is. It's not that he's not doing his work. He's doing great and he's in a different place individually. But between us, there's this massive breakdown. And as a side note, uh, at the very end of her question, she said, is this something, is this common for addicts to do? And whenever I hear that type of language, oh, it always rubs me the wrong way. And let me share with you why. When she says, we've been, you know, he's been doing great for three and a half years. There's not been any slips. He's not going back into old patterns. This idea, this label of addict, I just feel like so it, it does such a disservice to people. And I think this is more of the traditional way of looking at this, where there's, you know, there's two there's two ways to look at this kind of a situation. When somebody struggles with an addiction or a habit, or a compulsion, you know, however far along the continuum goes, right? So I, the way that I think about this is there's a continuum of a, continuum of addiction. There's no use, use, misuse, abuse, dependence, or compulsion, and then addiction. And I feel like there's such a wide spectrum that people fall on. And I know sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of times on the podcast, I'll refer to it as addiction. Not everybody struggles with an addiction, though. Sometimes it's a it's a destructive habit. Sometimes it's a compulsion. Sometimes it's misuse. And where wherever somebody is on the spectrum, one thing to keep in mind is if somebody were to say, "Well, I'm not addicted." When I say that, the, you know, when I when I lay out this idea of there's a spectrum of this, the purpose isn't to minimize the issue because even if it's again something that happens only occasionally. The effect is what I like to pay attention to. What's the impact of even occasional doing something that's causing damage, whether it's pornography or smoking or alcohol? So I, I'm less concerned about the label, and I'm more concerned about the impact that it has. And is that person getting the help that they need? So even if they're like, "I'm not addicted," and there's this big fight about whether or not it's addiction, it's it in my mind it's so far it's so it's so less important then recognizing if something happens even occasionally and it's having a massive impact, it needs to be addressed. It's not licensed to say, well, it's not addiction, so it's not that bad. Rather, it's this is happening and it's continuing to happen however often or however infrequently. So it needs to be addressed because look at the damage that it's causing. And so, going back to this idea of ad, this label "addict," I just feel like it does such a disservice to people who are on this path because when you think about addict, and again, this is such a perfect example. After three and a half years of him doing great, she still refers to him as an addict. The problem with this, there's I think multiple multiple problems with this. Number one, at what point is somebody not addicted? if she says well you know that's that's this old school mentality once an addict always an addict that's just not true and we've got research that can illuminate what happens in the brain when somebody is addicted and when then somebody is no longer addicted their brain doesn't react in the same way they're not actively engaging in the behavior so how are you still an addict if you're not doing the behavior anymore isn't that the definition of it is that you can't stop so once you stop why would you still consider yourself or your spouse an addict? Number one, I feel like that's such a big problem because it puts a glass ceiling. It's almost like it's a cage that somebody cannot get out of. And the wife is also in that cage with him. Because if her husband is an addict forever, what does that mean about their relationship forever? What does that mean about the level of safety that she can feel? What does that mean about how they can communicate? Or, you know, it's there's so many... There's so many barriers that that label puts in place. Instead of referring to it as somebody is struggling with an addiction, somebody's struggling with a, a pattern or a habit or a problem, once you're no longer struggling with it, you can then move on with your life and you don't have to deal with this for, you know, this doesn't have to follow you around forever. And so, again, the idea of this being on a continuum, it's not so important to me where somebody is as much as what's happening and how do we stop it. What tools do you need? What help and support do you need to change this? And so I just feel like, number one, it's, it does such a disservice to stifle people's growth. And I, I, I saw that being reflected in this post because she says, well, do addicts always do this? It, I hear that and it's just it keeps people trapped. It, it, that label doesn't allow people to grow beyond it. And so again, it's it might seem like a subtle, small nuance, but I, I feel like it truly makes a massive difference in how people move forward on this path. Somebody being an addict versus somebody struggling with an addiction. And once they no longer are, and the damage is repaired, and they're in a different place, then you're moving forward in a different way. This doesn't have to follow you around forever. So that was just a total side tangent, but if you're listening to this and you kind of find yourself labeling yourself as an addict, or if you still refer to your husband, if you're the wife listening to this as an addict, I just invite you to consider switching that way of seeing and perceiving into something that's more growth oriented so that people can grow beyond that. So you can also feel a sense of safety knowing that it's behind you instead of thinking like, well, he's an addict and this could flare up at any time. Well, it's just just not true. When people get the tools and they resolve the core of the issue, they can move forward and never return. And I just think about, again, long-term growth, thinking about yourself or your spouse as an addict just makes it so it almost creates this feeling of that person needs to be managed and contained and surveilled to make sure he doesn't do anything that he shouldn't be doing. Even like in this post example, it's been three and a half years and he's been doing great. And she acknowledged that. So that's just a side tangent in hopes that that hope, you know, in hopes that it helps give somebody some hope that you don't have to deal with this forever. You can just Recognize that it's about getting the tools that you need to move forward. And so I think her question, this is the, the reason that I wanted to share this episode was that when he responds with this resentment and scorekeeping and bringing up the past, it's so important to recognize that if you misunderstand the root of the issue, then you're going to work on the wrong things and not see results an example of this this is not in the field of you know mental health but like I just think about uh, my dad recently has had a cough for like four months and he's been taking cough medicine and decongestant and then he finally sees a doctor and the doctor after thirty seconds was like no you it's not a it's not the issue isn't the cough that's the symptom he said that you're you have GERd and I don't even know like all of what that exactly is but it's a gastrointestinal thing or something about how. The acid in your stomach comes up to your throat, so it kind of burns your throat, so you cough all the time. She gave him some medicine, and literally that night, he slept better than he had in months because he dealt with the issue that was actually the problem, instead of misdiagnosing it and focusing on something else. The same exact thing is true when people are struggling in relationships and individually. And so instead of framing this as, is this something an addict does? Do they just bring up the past? Do they just live in this entitled mindset? Somebody in the comments of her post said, well, that's just addict mindset. Ah, and again, like it just rubs me the wrong way because not that I'm trying to defend the husband. I just feel like that label does a disservice to both people, especially the wife. Because if it's if I'm living in a relationship with an addict, and that's his mindset, where do you go from there? How do you find safety? How do you rebuild trust? How do you have the kind of marriage that you want to have? And so again, like this idea of you can either look at it as the addiction is the problem. And at the core, he's flawed, and he's broken, which again, sets you up to have to manage and contain him. Or the other way that I like to look at this, and this is what I want to encourage you guys to consider. Instead of looking at this from that lens, the other lens that I find that is far more, number one, empowering, and number two, res- it cr- creates far more results for couples, is when you can identify where does that come from? If he's bringing up the past and responds with this sense of like, don't control me, why are you always on my case, or he responds with you know a, a degree of arrogance or pride or minimizing or justifying. Where else could that be coming from? And so again, the old way of looking at it is, well, that's his addiction and he's an addict and that needs to be managed. Or the way that I've seen this is that comes from a totally different place. It can come from multiple places, but one of the most common root issues for this is that when there are unmet needs or unresolved hurt. And so that's what I want to share with you today is looking at it from this lens opens up the door multiple doors really to be able to find closure and resolution so those behaviors don't keep cropping up so when i talk about unmet needs that are being either suppressed or unaddressed i want to give you an example of this so i was working with a couple in the past where the husband struggled with pornography occasional use and again despite it being occasional it still caused big problems in the relationship it caused her a lot of pain and they were able to work through that in a very different way. They processed through it in a healthy way. He got the tools that he needed to not go back and he did He did awesome for a long time. And, he had, and he's continuing to do great individually with that. And so one of the problems that they faced was that he acknowledged this, the use of pornography caused problems, it caused damage, it wasn't okay. He totally acknowledged that and... There was other relationship problems that weren't a result of his pornography use that were not being addressed and so as they shared with me their situation he said that for the last decade they've been married for about 15 years and for the last decade or so it didn't matter what he did to try to build their relationship and the pornography use did not happen throughout those 10 years it happened through a short span they had some important conversations, he resolved it. And again, it went away. And these issues in the relationship were not related to that they were happening prior to him having some struggles with pornography. And so his main challenge was that they were not being resolved. And after literally a decade of him trying and crying and pleading for her to let her wall down for her to be more open with him, for her to be more you know, his desire was to feel like there was warmth in the relationship, where there was closeness, where he felt understood, where they could do fun things together, something that everybody would want in a relationship, right? He was just like, he would, that was such an important thing for him that was not there. And there were reasons for that within her. She described just feeling like there was a block. It wasn't even related to him. It was from prior relationships. And so he could not figure out how to break through, which caused him to start to feel hopeless and discouraged And all that pain, that loneliness, that hurt slowly turned into resentment. And then that resentment turned into anger and frustration that ultimately, when they started working with me, had not been resolved yet. They had a huge blowout. They talked about getting divorced. And this conversation was just like this moment for her where she really acknowledged, you know what, I have not been showing up in the relationship in the way that you've needed me to. I have been closed off. I haven't been open. I haven't been nurturing and warm. There's things that I need to work on to help me get there. And she did this work that was like phenomenal, that got her to a place where the walls came totally down. She was close. She was open with him. There was warmth and affection all of what he wanted in the relationship was finally there. This is where everything started to stall out for him. When we started having sessions together, she would acknowledge, I didn't handle this right. I did do, the, you know, I did wrong by him, and I wasn't the kind of person that I needed to be. And he had a very, very hard time releasing that. And would squabble over these small things about like doing the dishes she'd ask him can you do the dishes and then she then he'd get like so angry with her like stop asking me to do all this stuff can't you see that i'm working can't you see that i've got other things that i need to do and their arrangement was such that she was not working outside of the home and so he had this like grudge that had formed over the course of a decade that anything she said or did he was honor. and that was just one example but The idea that I wanted to share was that there was so much of that type of behavior, which again, if you look at it through this old lens, you think, uh, you know, somebody might think, well, he's an addict and addicts. That's just what they do. They're entitled. They're arrogant. They're narcissistic. They don't care. And again, I feel like that does such a tremendous disservice when really, if you go a little deeper and explore what's, you know, what else could be happening here? We uncovered that there was just so much prior hurt that had been built up that had not been resolved that turned into resentment and the resentment is what fueled him to respond in these really negative painful hurtful kind of ways and so once we identified okay this is what's driving it we got to work on helping them resolve these underlying things that hadn't really been fully addressed and so how we did that is we had him open up and share instead of getting angry and short and snapping at her. I invited him to get more in touch with the hurt, even below the resentment, right? It's like that snapping and the anger is, you know, it's like a set of dominoes. The very base level domino, the first domino is pain. It's hurt. It's not feeling loved. It's feeling neglected. It's just, there's so much sadness. There was so much pain for him there. And so then that knocks over the resentment one, right? Sad turns to mad, and then mad turns to you know the behaviors that we saw on the surface. And so as he spent some time in session sharing the deeper level sadness and feelings of loneliness and hurt and not being important to her, when he showed her his when he showed his heart to his wife, and she started to reach for him in a different way and acknowledge that and respond with comfort and reassurance and understanding, A handful of those conversations very, very quickly started to shift his resentment. The reason it keeps coming up is because the pain has not been dealt with and addressed in a way that creates closure. And the same thing was true for him. He was responding in this way, not because he was an addict, but again, because there were underlying hurts and sadnesses, hurts and sadness and pain that had not been dealt with. And once they did, that was this like massive shift in their relationship to the point where they're in a totally different place now. And so it's so valuable and it's worth considering what else could be going on. And this is the other lens that I would really, really encourage you guys to look through is are there underlying hurts? Again, going back to what I said earlier, an unmet need. So the need, so when somebody struggles with a sexual addiction or or pornography addiction or somewhere on the continuum, the need isn't sex. The need is so often it's connection people feel lonely right my whole goal is to help people identify what's driving this where did this come from sometimes it's low self-esteem again like we've in in dozens of episodes I've shared that pornography is so often a coping mechanism so if you're coping with low self-esteem or sadness or being you know disconnected in the relationship and not handling that properly there are these underlying things that are driving that that's the unmet need and for him it was a sense of feeling loved and understood and feeling like his pain mattered to his partner and so once he started to get those needs met and she was there for him they were able to do such good work that put them in a totally different place the second example i want to share with you about what this means about how you can apply this or rather how what this looks like i worked with a couple where he did struggle with pornography for multiple years it caused a lot of damage and he did not know how to resolve that with his wife he was trying he was doing better he was making progress eventually he was able to stop he got out of those old patterns but there was so much hurt that she felt right so i wanted to share an example from both the husband and the wife and so the wife carried this it's a, i guess it's a very similar situation there was resentment the wall was up she was hurting she would snap at him no matter what he did She would get on his case about, you know, the one thing that he didn't do. And it was tough to watch because he would come in and you can tell, like when I work with people and you can tell like their humility, you can tell their desire to make things better, their level of commitment. And I saw all of that in him. He wanted nothing more than to repair his relationship. There wasn't any pride. There wasn't any justification. It was just like sincere, genuine effort. And it's tough. It was tough for me to watch because no matter what he did, no matter how hard he tried, it still would miss the mark. Because of course, he's not going to be perfect. But that seemed like the expectation that she had, through the interactions that we all had together, because um, she would find the one thing that wasn't done, or the one thing that he said wrong, or the literally the word that he said wrong, when he was trying to comfort her, and it would just blow everything up. And so I don't I mean, I get it. There's no judgment for me. Again, this is my my whole goal is to like almost be a detective and like, okay, if this is happening, what's driving this? Where is this coming from? And I'm looking at it through the same lens that we're talking about. And so we discovered that it was the same problem. There was just so much underlying hurt and resentment there that it just she was just so short, and she recognized it. And she recognized that she was responding in that way. And it felt like no matter what he did, it really wasn't going to be enough. And that was largely a reflection of the unresolved pain that got in the way of her being able to receive his efforts. And so sadly, after a handful of sessions, she decided that she didn't want to do it anymore. They didn't come in. They they came in too late. And so I, I feel bad when people come in too late because there's so much that you can do if you get the right tools. If you start to address the actual issue. The problem is that sometimes people do wait too long and there's so much hurt and wander, water under the bridge that number one, it, it feels overwhelming in the beginning for people. It's still possible, but from their perspective, it feels overwhelming and it's like almost unimaginable that they can actually heal. And then number two, if the damage is so, f- so, f- you know, if, if things are so far damaged, people have breaking points. And I just, I felt bad because they were already at their breaking point. And so by coming in too late, I just, I hope whoever's listening to this You're seeking help early because there truly is a way to navigate this. So just after about three or four sessions, there was just too much damage there and she chose not to move forward. And so the takeaway that I want to share with you, it's the same idea that when we have unmet needs and unaddressed hurts, just like how both of these people that I've described today have had. She felt like her pain was completely ignored by her partner. And in the reality, it's not even her, her feeling like that. That's exactly how she experienced it, right? Her experience was he didn't, he didn't respond to her pain. And he acknowledged that like, I didn't, I didn't handle this. Right. And I should have done this differently. And after having done that for so long, it made sense to me why the wall was up, why she was so angry, why there was so much resentment there. And again, no judgment at all. Cause I totally understand it. And understanding it is such a key part of this process so that you can actually address the root of the issue to find some footing and actually make some progress. So my hope is that as you're listening to this, you can start to look through this lens instead of the old one where he's the the addict and the problem that needs to be quarantined or separated. It's there's something driving this. Can we figure out what this is? And once you identify that, Then again, there's a set of tools, depending on your situation, depending on what the need is or where the breakdown is that you can implement to truly create change. And so I just want to encourage all of you who are listening to this to consider your relationship or yourselves individually through this lens and try to understand what's missing here. What is being unaddressed? Is there unmet needs? Is there unresolved hurt and pain that we can work through? so that you can finally find some progress and move forward. So I hope that that helps as you consider that this week to then give you some action items that you can take some steps towards resolving, finding closure, and then being able to move forward. Okay, I hope that was helpful. And for any of the men who are listening, I want to invite you to join if you're looking for some extra support and tools and help implementing these uh, tools and strategies so you can fully overcome pornography so that it doesn't have to follow you around anymore go ahead and go to uh, www.facebook.com groups tools to quit. And the link is going to be here in the uh, show notes as well. So I look forward to watching you guys make progress and really overcome this addiction, get this problem out of your life, restore your relationship, so you can actually move forward and leave all of this behind you in a way that there's actually closure.